love has done its part And let him reign in my life and my heart If love has done its part Welcome to Healing Hidden Wounds Radio, sponsored by Shadow of His Wings Ministry. We are glad you are listening today and hope you find words of healing, insight, and restoration. Shadow of His Wings Ministry was founded by Lee and Shay Preston and born out of God's vision for setting captives free. If you would like to support us in the work we do, please visit www.shadowofhiswingsministry.com to donate. Today on Healing Hidden Wounds, Lee is talking with Jonathan Darty, director of Be Broken Ministries. Let's listen in as Lee and Jonathan discuss the ins and outs of recovery from sexual brokenness. it off to you because I think this is going to be an interesting broadcast. I was saying off air, I just, as long as it's not too convicting, I'm good with it. But we're going to talk about rebellion and uh, folks don't turn your radio off or shut down the podcast because sometimes maybe those of you who are feeling like you should do that are the exact people that need to hear this because you've got that maybe like rebellion, I'm going to do it my way sort of thing. So why don't you tell our listeners how you thought we should talk about this subject in particular? Well, I I think it's interesting. Uh, sometimes we run against uh, guys who come to the gateway, or you know, I see in counseling with, between either them or their them as a couple, and you find these guys who just keep going back to their accountability partners and keep saying, "Yeah, I messed up again," and "Yeah, I still look at porn," and "Yeah, I still keep doing these things." And sometimes you know, you kind of start asking yourself, "I wonder what's causing this guy to kind of be stuck here." I really don't know that it's uh, that the guy loves going back to his accountability partner and sharing with that that guy that hey I I messed up again or I don't think he I certainly don't think he likes going back to his wife and saying I've messed up again and the the wife and accountability partner start getting frustrated too absolutely you know because they don't know how, how can I help this person you know absolutely and so at that point you kind of start to see accountability is is great but it's kind of not helping in this area it's not causing what you want it to cause. And so something that was just kind of uh, that what I think is very important to start to look at is when a guy becomes rebellious or maybe even fighting what I would call a spirit of rebellion. Um, sometimes it gets caused way back. I, you know, I've kind of come a long way in, in just saying stop it, you know, stop being right. rebellious. You know, it's like thanks a lot, but I haven't figured out how to stop being rebellious. So it's kind of looking at you know, why am I rebellious? What causes that spirit inside me to well up that says, I have every right to do what I want to do? And it seems like a lot of people, you know, even well-meaning Christians would say, well, clearly it goes back to Adam and Eve and the garden. And, you know, obviously there was a line that was not to be crossed and it sort of, you know, uh, generated all of these feelings of lust. And so it's like that. Well, that's clearly where this spirit of rebellion, that's clearly where all of this originated. But Again, well-meaning people will say that, but the person that's sitting across from you who is in the middle of this rebellion or this sort of rebellious state is going to look at you and go, well, great. What What is, I mean, okay, I get that, but what does that, what does that mean to me? You know, because we can kind of get sort of theological 
rather than bringing that into a practical sense of saying, how has this particular person sitting across from us gotten tangled up in this rebellious spirit, in this rebellious state? Sure. And I think it's important to sometimes realize that it could be a mindset or it could be a vow that was made long ago. You know, I think it's really easy, and I, and I don't mean this as an offense to, towards, you know, well-meaning Christians, but I think it's easy to tell somebody, well, that's just a sin, so don't do it anymore. Or you're just being rebellious, so, you know, mm-hmm. fight that. You know, it's one thing to fight it, but, you know, I think, as you and I have probably seen, working with guys in deep addiction, you know, it's very hard to keep telling the guy as he's tearfully saying, you know, I don't know why I keep doing it, it's just that I get away or I get by myself, or I, something happens, and all of a sudden, before I know it, I'm sitting in it again, and I don't really want to be there, but I don't know how to get away from it. And uh, I just think it's important to begin looking at rebellion, you know, that, that little part inside of us that just says, you know what, I don't really care for now. I want to do what I want to do. And I can I can almost sense that some of our listeners, because that, that term can kind of be, uh, it can kind of grate on us, because I, I, I can just see some of our listeners going, but you just said that this person is like crying and they're saying they don't really want to do it. But then on the other hand, you're saying, look at rebellion. Is it rebellion sort of this aggressive act of saying, I, I am willfully disobeying and I don't want to have anything to do with righteousness. And I mean, so kind of help listeners sort of see that there could be a connection between this person who, on the one hand, is really struggling over here and saying, I'm crying and I really don't want to go there. But on the other hand, there is this rebellion that's going on. How do those connect? Sure. Well, I think it's important to begin looking at where rebellion starts. You know, rebellion isn't just this, oh, wow, now you're a rebellious child and now I have to punish you. Uh, Rebellion kind of starts, at least in my mind, it starts usually in perfectionistic performance-based homes because there's really no relationship and yet there's just a lot of rules and there's not a lot of trust And so, therefore, a guy starts to realize as a child, we have to think about a seven- or eight-year-old. You know, it's kind of like that seven- or eight-year-old who goes up and punches his sister for taking his toy, and his dad gets all over him for punching his sister and says, you get over there and you apologize for for punching your sister. And he reluctantly, you know, stomps over and says, okay, I'm sorry, and walks away. Well, there's been no heart change there. And nobody's heard his side, that his sister took his toy All it was about was stop it, don't do it again, and don't do it because I said so. I told you not to be too convicting with this (laughs) this message because I'm like, if you've been peeking into my home, I mean, because but you know what? I think about that and I think, isn't that um, what you're just that little picture that you're giving right there of that scenario? I know it happens thousands of times in thousands of homes in each of our homes as well as we were growing up. And the thing is, I think what's well, not even growing up, even even in my home now. So it's like. as I think about just that one little picture, you hit on some really important things there, I think, that are this idea of rebellion. And one is, if you take it from the parent's side, there is this, um, there's sort of this exhaustion that's there. There's a maybe, maybe also just not even knowing how to handle that situation. And so kind of what rises to the top is, you know what, it's just easier as a parent to just lay down the law, set the rule, make them do this, control the kids side of things you see a lot of um there's there's confusion there's hurt there's anger there's these kind of things that aren't being addressed in a relational way so Absolutely. what does he do it just gets stuffed down and that's what i think all of these sort of mixed emotions that go on from the child's perspective only aid to sort of creating kind of this 
this crustiness that starts enveloping their heart. Sure. Well, and there's usually a defense to that as well. I mean, most of the guys that you see who think, hey, guess what? My dad raised me that way, and I knew as soon as my dad said, because I said so, I just knew to, to listen. Mm-hmm. But then we don't really link that. And so there even might be some listeners out there right now going, oh, come on now. You know, sometimes it's okay for a parent just to say, I said so because I'm the parent. And I'm not really disagreeing with that, but I'm saying that if you're not careful, what you end up doing is you raise a child who says, you know what, you're not trustworthy because you don't even listen to what hurt me in this situation. All you care about is telling me, no, stop it. And so guess what? I'm going to walk off and I'm going to be angry on the inside and I'm going to grow resentment and bitterness. And then I'm going to decide, you're not safe, you don't deal with me, so I'm going to go take care of my needs the way I want to take care of them. And I think also, you know, it's one of those things where we we sort of need to flip that order around. That whole, you know, I'm the parent, I said so, kind of needs to be the very last stage. In other words, after you've gone through conversation and all those kind of relational things, there may there may be times in which it's just you don't understand as a child, and and I'm really I'm really now saying you got to do this because I have a different vantage point from you. But typically, what ends up happening is we get too comfortable with that on the front end right because it just it's immediate control it's immediate change behavior but like you're saying what's happening though is it's creating a uh, a heart condition and not physically but like an emotionally and spiritual heart condition in which there's disconnection there's discord there's uh anger and even bitterness that can start to grow there and a lot of times this is what's fascinating to me and i'm sure you see it in your counseling office a lot is that is growing sort of unbeknownst to that child. Sure. It's not until years later, like when they're in your counseling office, that you're starting to kind of peel back these layers and they're thinking, I didn't even realize that was going on, that I was becoming bitter and rebellious and angry. Right. Well, what you end up finding exactly that is all that bitterness underneath this 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 crust that says I must defend what mom and dad did at all costs. And so, therefore, those are the words that tend to, to be set up along that defense mechanism, which is they did the best they could. And guess what? You know, it's okay for a parent to say, because I said so. And yet what you really have is a little kid inside that says, I never really had a relationship with you. And yet all you ever did was tell me how to be and gave me no right, really, to discuss it with you. And so I would walk off in utter rebellion because I might not get you that day, but I'll get you back some way. That's what revenge sets in next and says, as a kid, I will do it some way. I'll get it the way I want it at some point. And, you know, as you're saying that, I'm thinking this is what's so heartbreaking to so many in terms of how this keeps happening generationally. Absolutely. Because you've got this this adult now who really has this sort of broken kid inside of them, this broken, kind of angry, rebellious kid inside of them that now has kids, and then how heartbreaking is that then when those kids grow up and are saying the very same things and wounded the very same ways that they were as a child. So it's kind of right. like, and and that's why I really believe this, you know, when the Bible talks about the sins of the father being passed down to the third and fourth Absolutely. generation, it's it's not so much like this biological DNA, you know, of specific sins. It's sort of this this environment in which we are allowing some of these things to just, there's not healing. Sure. There's not healing, and then it it even gets worse, because the way we view how we were raised is the way we also view how God addresses us. Mm-hmm. 
which has always kind of been interesting the way I, I hear some people say things like, you know, God's going to take you to the woodshed if he has to. You know, it's like I understand what people are trying to say there, that God is an almighty God, and at some point he may chasten you to allow you to see where your brokenness is. But he's really more of a God that says, I want to relate to you, and so I want to tell you why this is not working, or I want to tell you where this comes from. And yet we accidentally take that and we raise kids in a church even that says, you know, a kid says, I don't know how to stop being mad at my sister when she does this. And we just say, stop it because it's a sin. Mm -hmm. Well, what does that tell him? It doesn't tell him anything about how to do it. It doesn't give him any kind of relationship. It doesn't validate any of the emotions he's feeling. Absolutely. Because, I mean, hey, well, you mentioned the, the thing before about the sister taking the toy and all those kind of things. To sit down and really kind of work through that whole scenario, part of that is going to be able to say, you know what, that does stink when sure. somebody takes something of yours. And you know what, I, I know what that feels like. That That's hard to deal with. That that makes you angry. It, it makes you frustrated. It makes you want to lash out. There's all these emotions that are going on inside. But rather than dealing with any of that, a lot of times it's easier to say, go tell your sister you're sorry. That's right. You know? And and all of those, it doesn't mean those emotions stop stewing. That's right. <laughs> and so then you have this young guy who grows up as an adult, and he starts to realize that, wow, you know, every time I go to dad with a problem, he just says stop, or he says don't, or he says that's wrong. And so what I learn is, is that I've got to perform well, so I do a great job performing well on the outside. But this anger has turned into bitterness, revenge, resentments. And so the only way I deal with it is by deciding, hey, there's one way I know how to deal with this. By any kind of addictive, besetting sin, that's how I'm going to deal with it. Because I don't want to feel about it anymore, because it doesn't get me anywhere. So I'm just going to turn to this, and nobody will get to take it away from me. Yeah, and as you're, as you're saying that, I'm, I'm thinking this is sort of the progression that happens. We, we have these wounds, or we have something that, uh, you know, we're in this rules-based environment that is saying, do this, do this, do this. And even if those rules are good, they're good rules. The, the implementation is is sour, you know. Right. And so what ends up happening is there's this growing bitterness, this growing anger, and really this is kind of in line with some stuff we've talked about previously in previous broadcasts. Is all that all that we're really looking for at the core as human beings is comfort. Right. And so what we end up doing is we go to then all these false substitutes. That, well, when we're searching for comfort through our sexuality or through drugs or through some other addictive behavior, rather than finding comfort, we find a, a way to numb. And so it's like the way we're designed to, to need comfort, that is very emotional, very sensitive, very, there's, there's a lot of feeling right. in how God designed us to actually receive healthy comfort. When that's not happening and sort of this rebellion is growing and this, this kind of railing against the rules, we go still seeking comfort, but rather than having the effect that God wants it to have, it's just to numb. It's right. just to numb us out. Absolutely. Well, because that's what we've learned is to numb uh, because it doesn't really work any other way. And what's to me is sad about that is that through that numbing, we lose the sensitivities that God designed us to actually have. Sure, which causes rebellion in the first place, because I'm no longer sensitive to what's going to happen if I go do this action. And it sort of accelerates it then. Absolutely, because it almost throws in a vow that says, you know what, if nobody's going to care about my, my feelings, then I don't have to care about anybody else's. 
And so then we get into this cycle of sin where we keep doing the same old thing over and over to try to help comfort and to numb, and yet we don't know how to stop it then. And in the midst of it, when we get into that place, the zone, Mm -hmm. then it's like, who cares? You know what? Nobody cares about me, so I'm going to go do this because this is the only thing that helps me feel better right now. And and don't you see? Don't you think you see this sort of spirit of of rebellion even on a much broader scale in in, in our culture? Sure. There's very and the way I kind of see it, you know, you wouldn't necessarily, well, maybe you would in some some circles, look out and say, you know, we have a rebellious uh, culture. But what you do see is, and the way it ten, ten, uh, tends to manifest itself is that you have people, and this is what happens in a a rules-based system in which you get locked into legalism, perfectionism, those kind of things, is it's saying people begin to cling so tightly to to the rights. Right. It's my right, my right. And that actually begins to develop this sort of rebellious system because it's saying, you don't have a right to tell me that. You can't say that to me. You can't challenge me. You can't hold me accountable. You can't say anything you're not allowed to speak into my life because at the sure. end of the day, I'm the one who controls everything in my life. And that's a rebellious spirit. Absolutely. Because that control has become a coping mechanism for not ever getting your needs met. And so now I'm just going to control everything and make sure I get my needs met. And it's this, it's this amazing cycle because I really want guys to not walk away from this going, well, what did that all mean? You know, I think what's important for it to begin looking at for a guy to look at is, what is the message I tell myself? Because if I know I'm about to sit down and look at porn, and I could therefore destroy perhaps my wife, I could destroy my child, I could destroy even my relationship with God, why is it so important to go ahead and do that versus remembering that I do have a relationship with the Lord, I do want a relationship with my wife, I do want a relationship with my kids? You know, what causes that for that split moment to say, this isn't important right now? And to be able to ask yourself, because I think this is an important question. This was an important question for me, and that is, what is it about me, and what is what is underneath the surface that is causing me in some of these scenarios to really not care, to not care right. about, not just not care about my wife or not care about my purity, but not even care about myself, not care about God. Not not care about anything, and and to me that's really kind of what's and it's what you've been talking about, kind of sure. at the heart of that rebellion is we get to a state in which we don't care, right? And I think that's really important to explore because you know we tend to stay up at the surface and say, well, it's just because I you know I'm a man and I've got these sexual urges and yeah. all, and we keep everything very very surface, very and behavioral, easy. real psycho- psychological. And it's like, no, I think there are a lot deeper questions. I mean, I would even challenge our listeners right now, those of you who are resonating and going, you know, I do get into that bubble. I get into that state in which everything gets blocked out. And And instead of saying in that moment, well, I'm just a sexual guy, just need lots of sex, take it to the next level. Yeah. And and that's that the the next level, I think, is asking yourself and really getting serious with yourself about why don't I care? You know, why why would I really, in that moment, rank a momentary physical thrill over anything else in my life? Right. And and I think that's an important question to really grapple with, because I think where you'll come down to is you'll have to ultimately look in the mirror and say, there's rebellion, there's pride, there's all of this brokenness and anger and bitterness against rules and against 
structure and against and and where you ultimately have to take that if you take it to its conclusion is you're railing against God. Right. And you're also perhaps you've made a vow somewhere that says you know what no one's ever cared about my feeling. I don't care at this moment how anybody including God's going to feel mm-hmm. after I get through doing this. Because at that moment you really don't care. Right. You may care afterwards. You know, that's the guy who, there may be a guy out there. I mean, I've, no, I've worked with plenty who've lost their job because of looking at porn on the job. You know, it's like, and I don't know how many times they've told me. I knew exactly what was going to happen. I knew if I ever got caught, I'd be fired. But we take that step. Why? Because we're just out of, the, out of control sexual men? No. Because there's a place in there that said, at that moment, I don't really care. This is more important. I need my needs met, and you don't understand. Nobody else meets my needs, so I need my need met. And I don't really care what happens. And, you know, we can and we can wrap a lot of that and, you know, theological language about that's ultimately idolatry. We're placing ourselves as a God. Sure. You know, we're essentially worshiping ourselves. And that was the fundamental flaw in the first first man was pride. That was sure. the ultimate root of that. But I really hope what the listeners are getting is that we need to sort of um, we need to explore that on a personal level. Because I think we all can get it sort of um, in kind of these theological academic levels where it's like, okay, up here in my head, yeah, I get that pride is the root of this thing or it's idolatry. But I think we really need to break it down in our own lives. And like you're saying, we need to say somewhere I have I have unmet, unmet needs. Right. Somewhere I have pain that has not been healed. And, and somewhere I have this uh, this something that I'm hanging on to that I've been unwilling to let go of for fear, for not understanding maybe how God really thinks of me and what sure. he really wants to do. And that's that's the other thing that I think is so dangerous about this is we then we transpose all of these feelings from our family and all of the brokenness in that environment then onto any kind of relationship with God. We'd love to think that he really does love us. We'd love to think that his grace covers all our sins. Right. We'd love to think that his discipline of us is out of love. But we got all these rotten pictures in our mind of legalism and perfectionism and harshness and anger. And so help our listeners see that kind of what this healing process looks like and what are some initial steps they can take to be able to say, hey, I'm recognizing that I've got some rebellion in me. What do I need to do to start breaking free from this and really maybe getting a clearer picture of who I really am and who God really is? Right. Well, I think the first thing is is to, to kind of look at yourself after you've had one of these moments. And do you turn into that little kid again that just quickly starts saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Hey, listen, I'm really sorry. I'm sorry. You're right. I'm a terrible person. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You know, kind of like that little boy did when he got in trouble for punching his sister in the face after mm-hmm. he, she took his toy, and he finds out that dad's mad, and so he immediately starts, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, you know. Just look the part, right? Just That's do the right, right thing. I got to yeah. look remorseful. I got to make sure that, I, that I, I, I show him that I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And then I know it's coming. He's going to tell me how bad I am and look what I've done. And I think sometimes we can put that on God. And I think rather than doing that right away, because, you know, every guy has said that, right? As soon as his wife finds out, it's like there's tears. I'm so remorse, sorry. Yeah, I'm terrible. Yeah. And I'm not downing that rem- that initial remorse. But what I'm trying to say is go to the next place and say, okay, God, let's just you and I sit down and talk about this situation. 
I knew going in that I was planning on acting out. I knew going in, the minute I clicked the button that warmed the computer up, I mm-hmm. knew in the back of my mind that I was heading to this place. What kept me from saying no? Well, it's just my sex drive. No, that's too easy. Let's go a little bit further. What really told me that I don't really care right now about anything else except doing what I want to do? And you might find that it's, it's, it is this I don't care rebellion that says I really didn't care. I don't care if my wife walked in or I don't really care what happens to the kids. At that moment, it's all about me. And then trying to take it to the next level of, okay, why is it just about me at that point? And you might find that somewhere you did make a vow that said, I will get my needs met at all costs because nobody else will. And so then how does a person begin to kind of break that up? Because uh, that's, I mean, I think that's great and necessary for us to sort of go on this discovery. But once people start discovering some of those things, um, how do they begin to really heal from that and start making changes in those moments? Because I think, I think ultimately God wants to transform us from the inside Absolutely. out. And so he's willing to go way deeper than we're willing to go sometimes. But as people start making some of these discoveries, then then where do they go or what are some things they do to really begin to tr- help let God transform them in those places? Well, and most most guys are going to want to turn the, the, the radio off or the podcast off, as I'm about to say this. And I think it's really important piece, though. I think I think journaling is a great place. Mm-hmm. You know, you can write out things, and before you know it, you're writing stuff that you would never even have known about yourself. And you might find that there's some real pain still there of needs that never got met. See, I don't know that we're wanting to be rebellious. I think at some point rebellion is an outpouring of our pain. Mm -hmm. It's like you don't understand nobody's helped me, so I'm not going to help anybody. Well, it's kind of like in the Bible where it talks about how sin takes advantage of the opportunity of a rule. Absolutely. And it ju- it jumps ahead of our conscience. It jumps ahead and says, hey, see, this rule here says don't covet. And it's like all of a sudden, whoa, all this covetousness comes out of me. Right. And I think that's part of what's what we've got to heal from and fight against is that we need to get down to some of those root issues and say, in what ways have have we gotten imbalanced here? In what ways have, have has sin sort of jumped ahead and really mess things up for us, and how can we begin to start healing from that? Right, and really look at the wounds, because yeah. sometimes we don't realize at 11 years old that when Dad came home and didn't say two words to us and went straight to his room, you know, he went to the newspaper, he went to the television, and, and never said anything, didn't ask us about our, our, our you know, scrimmage that day or our anything that we did at school, and this little kid walks back to his room and he starts thinking, wow, you know, dad didn't even ask me anything. You don't remember those things, you mm-hmm. know, on the surface. But if you think about that little kid, then he may have ultimately gone on to find himself at that point, his sexuality. He may have had a stash of porn under his bed. And he thought, you know, this is one way to heal this. Yeah. And if you can get to that wound, then you start to realize what caused him to finally say, look, nobody cares here. Mm-hmm. And so if nobody cares here then look at me now, I don't have to care because nobody's going to take away this one thing I've always had to help heal this brokenness or to at least help smother it Mm -hmm. so I don't have to feel it anymore. Well, folks, we are out of time. but uh, We are glad you joined us today, and we hope that God had a special word just for you. Remember that Healing Hidden Wounds and Shadow of His Wings Ministry are listener-supported. 
and all services are provided on a donation basis. If you heard something today that was especially important to you, we hope you will consider donating a gift. Please visit www.healinghiddenwounds.com to donate today. Now let it rain in my life and my heart. Your love has done its part. Now let it